Greetings and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic Podcast, episode number 25. Can you imagine? 25 already. Oh my goodness, I don't know how that happened. But today I'm speaking with Liz Fleming. She's a branding and marketing guru. And we talk in this episode about the dangers of discounting your services, especially as you head into the holiday season or really any season for that matter, how much of a damaging thing it can be to offer your services at such a steep discount for the promise of trying to make some quick cash and some of our suggestions for how to do things differently so that you're not hurting yourself in the long run. I hope you enjoy this episode and don't forget to rate and review once you're done listening. Thanks! Kiss my aesthetic Branding, marketing, entrepreneurship You're listening to the Kiss My Aesthetic Podcast. I'm your host, brand designer, creative, and social media junkie, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co. And I'm here to share strategies, hacks, and know-how on branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship for the online-minded small business owner. In this podcast, I'll be sharing interviews, solo episodes, and even more to help you up-level your brand by turning your visions into visuals and connecting with your ideal audience online. Let's get to today's episode. Greetings and welcome back everybody. This is Kiss My Aesthetic with Liz Fleming of Brand and Bloom Podcast and uh, branding marketing expert, guru, coach, the whole, everything. Sure, let's go for oh, it. Why geez. not, right? Um, I love it. So Liz, for anybody that missed your introduction on Instagram, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, who you help and how you help them? Sure. Hi, guys. Um, My name is Liz. I will put it simply, I am an organic marketing mentor for solopreneurs everywhere. Product makers, service makers, all of it. But I basically teach you how to make marketing easy and fun in your business without blowing your budget because there's a lot of things you can do. Stuff like this, social media marketing, email marketing, public relations, copywriting, uh, personal branding is a big one. So I teach my clients and my students and my members how to do all that using my 4E formula inside of my Bloom Crew membership. And I have a couple courses. So I dabble and I used to public speak, but then COVID. So here we are. <laughs> yeah, I know. I had a few public speaking and actually MC gigs lined up for uh. COVID. And that's a space I would love to get into because I think it would just be so much fun. I'm just a total uh, extrovert personality type that would just yes. eat that opportunity up. So, but then the podcast is born. So maybe it's, exactly. all, it's all okay anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a great conversation over on Instagram. And the reason that I kind of wanted to have you on as well from our branding marketing perspectives and the timing of all of this is that we're just into Q4. And mm-hmm. by the time you're listening to this on the podcast, maybe it's a bit later into Q4. <laughs> um, but we are Happy having, New Year. Happy New Year. Exactly. Right. By the way that things are going. Um, but I think this is also an evergreen kind of topic is like, how do you... Number one, get your very first clients in the door if you don't have experience and you're not totally sure about your offer. And also number two, how do you head into the year end marketing strategy, knowing that you're up against Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday, all of these very consumer centric holidays where business and service providers can kind of get swept up in the chaos and end up doing more harm than good to their brand. So that's a two parter. But let's start with the one, the first one. Let's start with how do you get your first clients for a new offering? Yeah. So uh, oddly enough, my answer for both questions is the same. 
you do you boo. <laughs> like you cannot, there, there's no um, set rule book for how to go about this stuff. And no one else is a carbon copy of you. So you have to go out there, especially if you're new and you're still feeling out what your offers are, you have to experiment and you have to get feedback. So when I started, I did work for free for close friends, family. Um, and then I just slowly scaled up from there and started charging, you know, three figures and four figures, then five figures. And just like we were saying in Instagram, there are people out there who want to and will invest in what you have to offer because of you and your noggin. So I would say for both questions, that's really it. I mean, don't force yourself into a certain mold to try and be successful. And, you know, there are other people out there in the world doing what you do, and you weren't put here to just copy them. You have to make this your own. Yeah. Completely agree. And I think that there is also a tendency to, number one, get distracted by what other people are doing. And number two, kind of get swept up in the madness. If you are somebody who is, you know, seeing these people and idolizing these people that may be these killer entrepreneurs or people who it's that you perceive to be 10, 15, 20 steps in front of you. The reality is from where you're sitting, you're also 10, 15 steps in front of someone else. So the whole point for me in starting this whole branch of my business, Kiss My Aesthetic, is to be the resource that I had wish I had three years ago. Not like, I'm not trying to claim that I've got all the answers or claim that I have anything totally figured out, but I do have a little bit more experience than somebody, for example, who's coming fresh out of college. Yes. So how do you create the content, create the product, create the service, the offering to give someone who's a little bit, who may be just a few steps behind you. Sure. Um, Well, it's all about what you have to use as kind of examples. You really have to help people visualize the outcomes they're going to get from working with you, whether you're a product maker or service provider. So one of the first things I did, I was just a total nerd with my personal brand. You know, I had LinkedIn from the get go. I had some sort of files on my computer where I saved, you know, my best pieces of work or like happy comments or emails from clients and, you know, whoever else from social. And when I started my business, I finally had a place to showcase that, you know, where I'd been mentioned in the press, what interviews I did. And that really, that social proof really helped me. But you don't need like this massive magazine spread to be a success and like get interest for what you do. It really can be as simple as you know, what experience do you have that sets you apart? That's what people need to know. And that doesn't mean you have to have a college education. It doesn't. Um, Mm -hmm. Most people these days are self-taught, you know, and they are doing amazingly. So it's just a matter of getting creative with how you are presenting yourself and your brand online, because it's a it's a very saturated uh, market out there, I think, for everyone. So uh, anything you can do to just make it you is Mm going to benefit you greatly. Mm -hmm. I absolutely have so many ways that I want to take this conversation. Um, (laughs) But first and foremost, again, let's talk about, because we're both working with entrepreneurs who are at the beginning of their business, right? And at least I work with a lot of people that have eyes that are much bigger than their stomach. They're like, I'm going to do this and this and this and this, and they start listing all of these services and all these offerings and all these crazy places that they want to go with it. And I kind of have to be like, whoa, 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 like slow down. Who's your ideal client? And they say, oh, everyone or oh, 
my ideal client is women. It's like, <laughs> what? And how do you help? Again, you're working with a lot of these businesses from a marketing strategy standpoint. How do you help them narrow in on who their ideal client should be? Because I always say it with the disclaimer of like, this could change. But for now, we need to narrow in on one persona so that we can make sure that our market messaging is speaking exactly to them. Mm-hmm. Do so, you do something similar? Yeah, I recommend that you don't try and pick your audience before you have one built because you can have mm. this big vision of who you want to work with and try and target them and then they don't they're not receptive to it. You just need to start creating stuff and putting it out there and sharing it and see who picks up on it. And then you're going to find that you have a little corner of that audience that really resonates with you. And then you start, you know, finagling your messages and tweaking a bit more. And you you go down that path you really want to go down versus, you know, trying to, again, fit a certain mold to be a success before you even have any sort of engagement analytics or feedback. So right from the beginning, I was really adamant. I was like kind of all over the map. But it worked out in my favor because as I created content that was me and I was experimenting, I found out who resonated with it. And that's who I work with today. So I really, it's important, you know, I don't want to sound irresponsible. You know, everyone should do some level of research, you know, at some point. But when you're first starting out, like it is not your top priority. It's, you know, having a basic idea, but not dwelling on it, you know, just as much as you don't dwell on what your price tag is going to be for that one service or that one product. You just need to get stuff out there and start talking about it. I'm with you. I'm with you. (laughs) And also the idea of sharing what it is that you know. So we talked about Mm. on Instagram, the example of Eliza who wrote the theme song for this podcast. And she's now wanting to roll out podcast music production services for the first time and doing it. She's already got me as a client. She's already got my endorsement. She did a wonderful job. I get compliments on it all the time. And now I was kind of over coffee. We were shooting around some ideas of how she could kind of take that and move forward. Um, But you talked also about in the last question or so social proof about results driven, about testimonials and collecting these like happy pieces of mail or like endorsements from your peers and things like that. And there's so much to be gained from reading those. As someone who adamantly asks all of her clients to write a review after the end of the project, it's interesting what they point out as being the reason why they were satisfied. Yeah. Has this ever happened with either yourself or a brand that you've worked with where you're like, huh, I didn't even know that that's the reason why maybe they wanted to work with us or buy that product or whatever. Yeah, totally. And it's actually surprising how many people will come to me, go through the whole process of, you know, learning what I have to offer, how I can help them. And then they're like afraid to make that investment. And then they crawl back a year later where my prices are higher, you know? So, and there's no shame in that, but I'm kind of the same way, like leaning on those reviews and not stressing so much about what you have to do, but like what you've already done. You've done so much and it's totally okay to use that to support your business and your brand. Um, One of my favorite things that I do 
is actually in my email. I've done this for quite a few years now. I started when I got my first job because it was, you know, in the PR world, it was pretty cutthroat. And it was very rare to get like a compliment from anyone. But when I did, I had created this thing called a sunshine folder. And I would just drag, you know, the happy mail in there. And over time, those became like LinkedIn recommendations and referrals. And I got another, you know, amazing job. And then I was able to go out on my own and yada, yada. But little things like that, that you do just for yourself really can make a huge difference in your business or your passion. And it's the difference between people understanding what it is that you can actually do for someone and in turn do for them. Mm -hmm. I had a I had a friend call me yesterday on the phone and say, hey, can I ask your opinion about something? I'm thinking of hiring so and so, but I can't see any of their work samples. Can you vouch for their work quality? And I hadn't worked with a person, so I couldn't fully endorse them. And I said, you're doing all the right things. She's like, yeah, I'm on her LinkedIn, but she doesn't have any experience listed other than her old corporate job. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, red flag. Like, of yeah. course, because if you are, I think that the thing that entrepreneurs and business owners in general sometimes lose track of is that there's no way that you can be present every time someone's talking about your business. Mm-hmm. Like this is branding. This is reputation management. This is personal brand, everything. So if in my idea of a utopia, we'd get some kind of notification if someone was having a conversation about you, but I think that that's probably too creepy, but realize But realize that there are constantly conversations being happening about the product of your work, the integrity of your business, Mm -hmm. the the service or or products that you could provide and how you've changed somebody's life. You've transformed their situation. So how can you have that as a business and a brand, again, with limited experience or not total proof of concept yet, but still maintain the reason why someone would want to work with you? Yeah. uh, The most important thing, you guys, is to start and grow a presence on real estate that you own. So if you don't have a website, you need a website. And then the most important thing on that website is that you have a picture of yourself and you have a bio. And that can be it. You just need a way to start that conversation. And nothing has to be like, you don't have to have these massive packages all flushed out on your website in order to start a conversation. And if it weren't COVID times... One of the most brilliant and beautiful things that still works, that's totally free, is exchanging business cards. And when you're on social media and you're on your website, it's just the digital version of that. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have a presence in a space that you own, then you can't expect to be onboarding any new interest or new clients in that way or customers. So you have to give them, you know, a sense of, uh, of place, really. Like think of how society is where we are just programmed for this, for the scroll and, you know, for that instant gratification and instant this and like our patience is so thin, attention spans are really short. So the first thing I tell my clients that people are going to do when they find you a person who may be able to help them is they're going to search for you. They're going to Google you and they're going to search for you on social. And if you don't show up, then they're out. They're looking for Mm -hmm. the next person. Mm -hmm. So I mean, you just have to be willing to show up. And if you're going to be a business owner, you need to go all in, like I was saying on Instagram, like just balls to the wall. (laughs) And I think it's a legitimacy issue. If someone, if I'm looking for a contractor and someone gets referred to me and they don't have any proof of their work online, they don't have a website or a contact form. 
like you're making it that much harder for me to engage you in what you actually could do. You may be a better fit for this job, but if I don't have the means to open that door, like you're making it more difficult than it has to be. And yeah. and again, to, to circle back to really what I wanted, the whole topic of the conversation, because I feel like we could go, we could do a whole episode just on like legitimacy, um, brand positioning, prospecting. That's a whole other conversation. But I yes. do want to talk to you about uh, sales season and holiday mm-hmm. season and the consumerism of it, which again is a very oh. heady topic. But <laughs> I love your your hot take on the big box store and the hysteria and the cultural impetus that is Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday, all these shopping holidays, and how brands can kind of stay above the riffraff, like stay out of the rip current and not get sucked under heading into the holidays. Yes. Um, Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Of course. (laughs) Black Friday is bullshit. (laughs) There's nothing. (laughs) I feel like no one is talking about this enough. And it's, it's not even just because now it's just racially insensitive to even call it that. But this is something that I've thought about for years. It's like there's this one day dedicated to making people completely manic, to making consumers manic and panic and just to, you know, buy, buy, buy. And they look at, you know, those discounts, they wait for that time of year to buy stuff. And when you hop on trends like that, you're totally devaluing your brand. And like I said, you're setting an expectation. So no one is going to pay full price for what you have to offer if every year you're just doing things like jumping on Black Friday and Cyber Monday and, you know, all that jazz. There are so many other ways that you can meaningfully uh, market what you have to offer without taking away from your bottom line. And I wish more people were talking about this. It's just that sensitive thing people don't want to talk about because they don't know what else to do. Um, Well, and I I think also like a discount should be a delight and surprise kind of thing, not a, oh my God, I have to do this. Like it should be a nice added, (laughs) yeah, it should be a nice added bonus for my client that I really loved working yeah. for. And we did her branding suite for me to throw in a few extra gifts. Like, but I don't yeah. want to incentivize the reason for her working with me as getting free stuff. That's right. not, that's not positioning me in a place of value or a place of control or a place mm-hmm. of creativity or collaboration because I've now shifted it of you should want to work with me for me doing a good job versus now you want to work right. with me because I give you things for free. Yeah, I always like Black Friday always makes me think of that line from The Grinch with Jim Carrey, where that guy at the beginning is like, everything's 99.9% off. It's like, that's what it's designed for. Like, these big box stores just give things away. But you know, now with everything that's going on with Black Lives Matter and and all that, it's just there are more and more brands that are seeing how twisted that trend is. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of brands that have backed out already from that. I know Patagonia, REI, like there are so many big brands and small that have backed away from that. And I just hope to see you uh, do something a bit more meaningful in your business this year for profiting than that stuff. I think that that's such a valid point that hadn't even crossed my mind yet, to be honest, of like considering not only the the business implications, but the cultural implications of continuing to to participate in a society of like waste and getting yeah. things for free and also of taking advantage of people. It gives me all the icky feelings. So I got to imagine it also makes other people feel that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we did talk about a little bit on Instagram, different ways you can add value. So you mm-hmm. talk about with your group program, 
that you open it, you do create scarcity. We're not saying that scarcity mindset is particularly a bad thing. Like there, you do have to, there are opportunities in your business where you need to create urgency. Hey client, Mm -hmm. if you can't sign this contract by end of the year, I can't guarantee you I'll have a spot for you in the new year. Mm -hmm. Hey, so-and-so, if you don't sign up for the challenge in time, I'm not going to be able to give you feedback on the Kiss My Portfolio Challenge. Like you have to set limits and boundaries and that's a healthy thing to do in business. So Scarcity mindset, I think, as a marketing tactic is a little questionable, but you can absolutely create scarce opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. You're creating exclusivity. And yeah. so having something like a group program and then you do something really smart of adding bonuses for signups. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So I open my marketing mentorship program twice a year. It's a membership community and it's on a a scaling price strategy. So it was new. So it was at a celebratory launch price and it was low. And every time I reopen it, it costs more. And then every time I reopen it, I have a new bonus that's added um, just for the week that it's open. So the last time I opened it, which was a few weeks ago, the bonus for the week was, you know, if you join this year, the first 10 people are going to get a free social media marketing audit from me one-on-one, which is like a $1,200 value. Um, And it was just a really unique way to incentivize my audience. And I could only offer what I had capacity for. (laughs) 10 is a lot. That's 10 hours, 10 audits. But even if, you know, I had more, more than 10 people sign up, they're still excited because they know what they're going to get inside of the Bloom crew. It's a lot of stuff like this, you know, weekly lives, monthly masterclasses, but seeing those bonuses, even if they don't get them really helps, you know, helps them make their decision. It legitimizes you a bit more and anything that you can do. I always say that when you create an offer of any kind that includes bonuses. The offer you have to create can't take away from your customer's learning experience. So the bonuses that I provide aren't going to make or break their success. And that's really a unique way to, like you were saying, create that exclusivity. And when you're comparing something like that to something like the holidays and Black Friday and all that, we're using healthy limiters. Mm -hmm. So I have a countdown clock, you know, like I can only have this thing open for a week because we need to get going. And I have people who, you know, the people who make the decision in that week are the ones who are serious about learning and growing their businesses. And, you know, we got to get going. So there are healthy ways to position your business in that light. Um, absolutely. And a yeah. lot of this is brand and market strategy. And it's something that I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated by. And I was speaking with a mm. client who wanted to launch products in addition to her existing services. And she just wanted to offer as many products as possible right out the gate. Mm. And I really encouraged her. I said, let's do things on limited release. You are not running a factory. So oh, having yeah. an unlimited stock of product is going to absolutely be a time suck away from your service. Like she was doing a, uh, the whole point in her offering a product was to monetarily support the service, which is at a higher price point. Okay. That's totally fine and dandy. But again, like just going balls to the walls on products, you're not helping to sell the value of your service versus if you have a limited stock, limited release, limited drop, start a wait list, create buzz, create hype and say, I have 25 of these very amazing things. And I'm going to open it up to my existing clients first. And Mm -hmm. then I'm going to open up to my private community second. And then if maybe if there's anything left over, I'll offer it to the public. Yeah. And I think when I told her that she was like, Oh, like there was a little bit of a light bulb going off of like, 
okay, I don't, I'm not Vons. I'm not Costco. I'm not Amazon. Like mm-hmm. I can't just keep take orders anytime, day or night, but then she can actually focus her energy on offering things at an exclusive price point because it is this scarcity or this exclusivity factor. Yeah. And so what hurts my heart is there are business owners out there like, like that, that have these amazing ideas and they spend all their time making the ideas come to life. You know, like course creation is the first thing that comes to Mm. mind and then they put it out there and no one wants it and they haven't, they haven't done the the prep work. So one of my favorite selling strategies is pre-selling. Before the Bloom Crew was the Bloom Crew, before I had master classes and lives and did all the work, I created one sales page on my website and I said, here's what this is. Here's what you can get when you join. Here's the buy button. If you want to get in now, this isn't created yet, but it's going to be. And when I launched that, I gave myself you know, a deadline on the calendar, a couple of weeks, And I said, if I get enough interest, then I'm going to create this thing like full scale. And I did like people were buying it. So that told me, okay, the demand is there. So I know people are going to be interested in this. So then I put the time in to create the hours and hours of master classes and create the Facebook group and do the graphics and then start the podcast and, you know, all that jazz. So it's really a matter of just experimenting, but like listening and being really strategic. Don't put the cart before the horse all the time. And don't be afraid to adjust and change and evolve. I did this the very first time I hosted the Kiss My Portfolio Challenge. It was a free challenge and it was three weeks long and it walked somebody through an entire, my entire brand design process. So, so prospective designers, designers who wanted to get better at designing could take this challenge. They would download the PDF from my website and then follow along in the Facebook group for all the prompts. Then I was giving everyone feedback. 258 people signed up. Amazing. 258. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Like I got in way over my head, right? So adjust, right? Okay, so now then I offered it again. I offered it uh, in May, back in May. And we did the Kiss My Portfolio Challenge. And this time it was 30 bucks, 30 bucks. And I said, I'm capping it at 50 people. Like I'm not giving feedback to 248 people, 258 people for three weeks. And I made it 10 days. So Mm -hmm. I made it shorter. So like perceivably it's like, oh, this thing used to be three and free weeks and now it costs money and it's less days. But the value that those people got in those 10 days was significantly higher. They're getting more one-on-one feedback from me. There was an exclusivity. The PDF I made was much more complex and detailed and I linked it all full with affiliate links. So that was a great revenue opportunity. And I sold out the thing in like three days. Yeah. So the 50 spots were gone. So now I'm gearing up to offer it again. And I sent an exit survey. I said, okay, everyone that took the challenge, what did you learn? How much time did it take you? How would you do it differently? What are the things that you, where are the holes? Like ask them exactly, like, how can I make this better for you? And then I take that data and roll it right back into what I'm going to do next. So Mm -hmm. one of the questions I asked specifically in this exit survey was, if you were to take this challenge again, what's the maximum you would pay for this challenge? Mm-hmm. So the first time it was 30 bucks and I gave the option 30, 30 to 50, 50 to 100, 100 plus. And across the board, everyone said 30 to 50, which to me is a great indication that the $30 price point was people perceived the, the value of the information at much higher than I was currently offering it. Yeah. It's a great way for me to now roll it out at a $50 price point. And then again yeah. and again and again, right? So then that evolves. And it's that to me is like the most fun thing about being a business. I love that. I I totally agree. I mean, well, and so what you did, your prime example, this experience is like you created intrigue, which created incentive, which created trust. 
So mm-hmm. you helped people visualize and take those steps that they didn't know they needed and wanted to take. You guided them on their journey and you gave them many opportunities. So I, I find that to be, I mean, I commend you. That's fantastic. Challenges are great. Um, to the price point thing you just said, I started playing with mini offers and products. Yeah. And they are gangbusters. Holy cow. There was like this, you know, this time the last five years where four, three and four figure courses were like it. And people yeah. like were, I mean, you can make a course about like beanie baby making and yeah. make six figures, but it's not, I don't sense that anymore. It's I these mini offers. Yeah. I don't either. I don't either. And I, I, I always, I had it on my 2018 and 2019 goals at the top of the year to make an online course. And I hit up against this wall of like, well, I don't have the right equipment and I don't want to pay a videographer. And then I don't have the time. And then it just kind of, I just keep kicking the can down the road. And then I saw that there's nobody was really doing this kind of like intro style course. So it's like, it's not truly a course. It's more social learning. And I had a captive mm-hmm. audience of designers that all want to be able to design better. They want to learn the skills. They want to take their stuff to the next level. And, and when you work for yourself, it's very rare that you get feedback or critique on your work yeah. um, other than your client. And like to be able to get that, if, if I had had that opportunity made available to me when I was just starting out about brand design, I would have been like, oh my gosh, yes, sign me yeah. up. Um, yeah. So that's what I get most excited to. And it just like fulfills my inner craving to be like a reality TV show judge. <laughs> Because that's what I feel like I get to be. Like, I get to put on my judge's hat. I don't have to do the work, but I get to sit back and kind of like see the options. And I, my, they blow my socks off every time I host this challenge. Like, yeah. the last one we hosted was Sky Paws, which was my concept for a hypothetical dog centric airline. And you can still search the Facebook group and search hashtag KMP and see all of the challengers logos, print designs, digital collateral, final presentation, social media mockups, everything that they did for this business. And it was so hilarious to see people on Instagram being like, wait, is this real? Like they didn't catch the memo that I was hosting a challenger for whatever reason. And they're like, I don't know what this is, but it looks cool. Yeah. (laughs) My friends from college are like, what are you doing? (laughs) Well, you know what, what I just love and I'm totally nerding out right now with the way the landscape is going. Things like challenges, stuff like this, groups, memberships, they work because you're encouraging accountability. Whereas if someone is taking a course or they're buying a product, then they just have it and it sits there and there's nothing exciting about it. Like maybe they learned something, maybe they got like a, a bit of gratification out of the product at one point and then the relationship just kind of fizzles. Whereas this, it's just common sense, my friends. I mean, it's something I say on the phone to my clients all the time. Your success is my success. If you go out there and crush it, that's awesome for me. Like as your designer, like why wouldn't I want you to go out there and absolutely nail it? So it's a big motivation for wanting to roll out these services with my team as like social media management, website design, copywriting, et cetera, because I'm noticing that they have this great experience working with me on branding. And then I'm like, okay, bye. Like I just like drop them off. Like, okay, here's your stop. Bye. And that there wasn't a way to continue that. And I I feel so passionately about the brands that I get to work with and the business owners, and I want to give them all the tools to succeed. So yeah, I think you're spot on. And I think that that's what makes me so fired up about this community is the same thing for my challengers. Like they're designers. They should be my quote unquote competition, but if I can make them better and I can have a part in their own success, that's so exciting. Yeah. It's a much better world. If you guys are reaching a point where you just feel stagnant and you don't know what to do and you're like, well, all this sounds great, but you know, how does it apply to me? 
you need to be thinking of ways to systemize and package your brain, your knowledge. And here's an example. So when I was going out one-on-one and trying to get clients and build my portfolio as a marketing mentor, I found that after a year, I was teaching these same four steps over over and over and over. over. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I, I came home one day, I took off work for a whole day, like do not disturb, I rolled out draft paper on my kitchen floor at my old house and dumped markers on it. And I totally dissected all of the coaching strategy sessions I had already done. I looked at what I was teaching, what the feedback was. And then I took a step back and I saw that there were four zones and I circled them. And that's how my 4E formula came to life. And that thing, that system has totally evolved and transformed my business. I've been able to create a signature course which has become my signature membership program. And having something like that to kind of help mold your messaging and your purpose as a business owner is going to set you up for real success. And, you know, on top of that, when we could public speak, that's what I was doing. I was doing what's called speak to sell. So you speak for free, but you sell at the end. And I introduced people to that 4E formula and thus teach them something and introduce them and hopefully onboard them into my stuff. So it's all part of what's called a value ladder. And if I'm just kind of blowing your mind right now, I just, I encourage you to just keep it simple, but think about your business in that way. Like what can you do to make it so different and totally personal and unique to you with a system? Completely. Similar to the the public speaking angle. When I was in Bali, this would have been 2019, February 2019, I pitched the co-working space on a presentation called Why Your Logo Sucks. And I basically wanted to say, like, here's all the reasons why your logo that you currently have probably isn't doing you justice. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't necessarily showing off my skill set. Like, here's a great logo I made. Here's another great logo I made. But I was speaking exactly to why someone's current solution wasn't going to be enough. And then that in turn led to jobs because people were like, oh, yeah, I totally resonate with only having one PNG because I hired somebody from Fiverr or 99designs and I didn't get a scalable brand. Because my whole point is like, your logo sucks because it's not a brand. You need a brand. You think you're only asking for a logo, but you really need a brand. And that's the difference. And that, that education component has been a through line of all of my offerings since then, because it's an edu- it's education. And it's exactly what you're saying as far as leading with content, leading with solutions, being a brain dump and packaging up everything that you know in a way that somebody wants to buy it. Exactly. And, you know, not getting so like we were saying before, I feel like we've said this a few times because it's so important, but like, don't feel paralyzed by perfection. Like Mm -hmm. there's no one right way for you to do something. If you have an offer or a product and it doesn't work, then nix it and do something new, but get that feedback. And that is just, it's, it's the most unique way that you can grow a business and it's the right way to grow a business. Otherwise you're kind of in it alone dabbling around. So I agree. I agree. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I feel like I could talk to you. I know ever. we There's have so to do a follow-up. There's so we much should, we should. Yes. And also I was a guest on your podcast. So where yes. can everyone find you work with you, listen to your podcast. Maybe you can come back and drop the links in the group. Yes, I will do that. I'll, I'll drop the links cool. in the group. Um, so my podcast can be found on any podcasting platform. I would love for you to check it out on Apple iTunes podcast, though. It's the Brandon Bloom podcast. There's a picture of me going like this. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's uh, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm also on Instagram at Ms. Liz Fleming. I'll drop that too. Would love to connect with you all and answer any other follow-up questions you may have. 
Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. If you guys listen to this as a podcast episode, be sure you hop over back into the Facebook group um, so you can see all of those. We'll also link things in the show notes, but I think we should just kind of keep this thread alive as like a business brainstorm. Yes, let's do it. So if you have any questions, concerns, comments, you want to workshop your idea or workshop your holiday offerings, Liz and I will both be in the Facebook group um, on the thread of this video, which you can go watch right now. And if you're watching the video now, then you already know that. And we can just keep this conversation alive because I think it's such a worthy one. And I, like I said, I could talk about this stuff forever. Yeah. It's so important. Yeah. I love the idea of workshopping and helping people now is prime time. I mean, just as a final, a final note, you know, it's right now at the time we're recording this October 2nd, and October is really the last month for you to get your shit together. I mean, the election's going to come. No one's going to hear you for a while. Yeah. And then also being mindful of COVID. If you are shipping stuff, everything is so delayed unless you're Amazon Prime. So you really have to plan ahead as much as possible. And if Michelle and I can help you, again, workshop those ideas and get them ready to go, let's do it. Absolutely. Cool. Thank you so much, Liz. And thanks yeah. everyone for watching. And we'll catch you next time. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. For more information, please visit mkwcreative.co slash kmapod or follow along on every social media channel at mkwcreative.co. Also, don't forget to join the Facebook group by the same name, Kiss My Aesthetic, and to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Catch you next time.